Live from St. Louis, Missouri, it's the Technically Speaking Podcast. Brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. Get ready, because it's time to talk nerdy on the Technically Speaking Podcast. Welcome back into the Technically Speaking Podcast. We are broadcasting live from the Agile Midwest Conference in St. Louis, Missouri. Actually, downtown, beautiful downtown St. Charles, Missouri. Um, right across the river from St. Louis. And uh, we have a just a full array of, of great guests today. We're speaking with many of the conference uh, speakers today. And, and this episode is no different. Today we have on the podcast um, the Director of Strategy at Simply Accessible, L. Waters. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Listen to that. That's awesome. Listen to that. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Um, so you're so you're a big deal, obviously, by the by the round of applause. Um, so so as the director of strategy, uh, simply accessible, um, kind of specializes in bringing accessibility into design and things like that. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about what simply accessible does and what you do there. Sure. So we are um, at at our heart a teaching kind of organization, and most everything we do comes from a teaching perspective. We work with companies and digital teams in order to be able to make their sites, applications, native applications, and kiosks and things like that accessible to people with disabilities. And so that means we teach and work with designers, developers, testers, product managers, leadership teams, that kind of stuff. So do you find that the general business community or development community, people that you touch, do you do you feel like they have an adequate knowledge of accessibility? Like, is it something that... that uh, I mean, obviously, good designers would think about it, but just in general, like, is it a topic that that is discussed on a wide scale, or is it is it a bit of a learning curve for a lot of people? I think the answer is both. Actually, I think there's a lot of discussion about it, but there's not a lot of ready information for people, and they don't know how to get started, and they don't know what that measure of success is. So they don't know, am I doing a good enough job? And so we kind of work really hard to educate, but to empower teams so that they can take it on themselves and lead at their own organizations. Okay. So your, uh, your topic today kind of covers a little bit of that. It's, yeah. it's uh, building inclusive design into your agile workflow. So, um, so kind of walk us through maybe a couple techniques that you shared. I know that, like you, met, you mentioned off air, that this is kind of a one-day workshop. Yeah. And today you're going to have the ultimate test to see if you can boil that down into, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, I'm, a little, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit in that I'm, the deck is going to be pretty large of what yeah. we hand to people, but that I want them in true Agile principles to help me prioritize what's most meaningful and most valuable in 45 minutes. And so we're going to go through it pretty interactively. Um, it kind of breaks out into three different pieces. One is just a primer, a, a quick understanding of what accessibility really is. There's a lot of um, gaps that people have in understanding what it means. It's more than just people who might be blind using a screen reader, for example. There's a, there's a wide variety. The other um, small second piece is about why should we even concern ourselves with this? Why is this a big deal? So there's some uh, data to hopefully both educate and also empower some people to be able to take that back to their organization. And then the last piece of it is really a breakdown of by role in an agile team, how to be able to incorporate lean accessibility principles into the work you do. So I um, come from a product owner background, so I have an, a special 
a, a special fondness for product owners and mm -hmm. the struggles they have. Um, we work with a lot of designers and developers and testers. And uh, my husband is an agile coach, former scrum master. So there's props to them as well in the in the uh, talk. So do you do you find that uh, is there is there kind of an owner of this in in an agile team, or is it kind of uh, everybody's uh, mindset and everybody's burden to kind of be thinking about this? I think that um, it's. It will feel maybe like a burden at first, but I don't think that it has to feel like a burden. And that's one of the challenges that's a legitimate concern that people have. And so um, just to speak to that for a second, mm -hmm. it's the, the entire goal is to make accessibility something that turbocharges the agile workflow for people, that it shouldn't be something the same way that responsive design is mm -hmm. not something that has to be a burden. It has a learning curve, but afterwards it makes everything that you do better. Mm -hmm. um, as far as ownership though, it really is a very much a shared ownership the, it depends on what it is within accessibility as to who really should be taking lead on that there's a lot of things that developers don't need to really know a great deal about with accessibility and there's a lot of things designers don't need to know a great deal about they just because most of the time really good agile teams have a very integrated kind of process where they work alongside of one another they're going to be aware of some of those things with accessibility as well but they they can see how all of these different parts that they each own play out together and be able to create success for people. So, so when you speak about accessibility, how, how does that branch out? Are we talking about kind of like uh, colorblindness and, and things like that? Like what are sure. the kind of the different things that developers need to think about when um, thinking about accessibility? Sure. So depending on someone's role and to how much they work within sort of the UI and UX layer, if you're a developer, one of the n number one things that we would tell anybody is to focus on having spectacular keyboard accessibility. And that really applies not just to non-sighted users who use screen readers, but there's a lot of sighted users who use only a keyboard or they may use assistive technology that really emulates a keyboard. And that's the foundational layer that every developer should feel good and comfortable about because you know it's the assistive technology you already own and know how to use. So that's the number one thing we tell developers, and that's not something that's too burdensome for them, mm -hmm. to just really running through and doing peer review on what they do and making sure that you can operate and navigate and complete tasks using just a keyboard. That's a tremendous thing. Uh, valid code is another thing we talk to developers about. It's still a thing. Uh, web standards exist whether whether people choose to believe it or not. Yeah. It's and assistive technologies depend on those things in order to be able to communicate correctly with that web page or application. So these are things that a lot of times we work with development teams and they will turn to us and say, well, you know, this is just good practice. This is just best practice. Mm -hmm. And about 60 to 70% of accessibility is being really good at the things you already know to do well. Mm -hmm. So, so when you guys are kind of asked to join an organization or to come help an organization out, mm -hmm. uh, is there kind of normally like a, a place where they're at where they've either had a realization or, you know, uh, w I guess, you know, where, where are they normally when they're coming to kind of uh, engage you guys? Sometimes it depends on the role of who contacts us. Um, oftentimes, though, there's a combination of factors. There might be some external pressure, either um, some customer complaints 
or a regulation has just you know, gone into effect or will be soon, or they might be actually facing some litigation, and that happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. So there's some external pressure. There's also, though, usually people who have been working very hard within an organization to understand this, and they understand that there's a measurable benefit to being more inclusive in the things that you provide. You're, you're basically increasing your market share when you make things more inclusive because you're incorporating you know, ways of so everyone can actually purchase your product. And so there's usually a combination of a business driver along with maybe some external pressure. And then there are always people, especially in development teams, who understand they're eager to learn these skills and understand them. And they also recognize that it improves their code quality. Awesome. So um, so do you have a, you know, maybe a success story, either a, a, a company that you've worked with or or maybe just uh, the company that has decided to embrace kind of accessibility that has changed um, because you mentioned, you know, just embracing uh, the accessibility opening market share. Do you have any kind of uh, success stories around that where where that has proven out? Sure. Um, I think that Unfortunately, I probably can't speak them that give you their names, sure. but there's uh, some e-retailers we've worked with in the past that have absolutely embraced accessibility and inclusive design, and it's become really synonymous with their brand identity. As a result of that, it's it's less about even the market share, but more about how much more uh, quickly they're able to get through the production, uh, the agile life cycle for their products. Because of the fact that accessibility was the driver for a lot of innovation, they developed a digital pattern library and they developed accessibility requirements and best practices within that pattern library. It made their development process so much faster that they've actually seen monetary gains in how quickly they can bring something to market. Um, I would say that it's a Fortune 50 company yeah. that sells products online. And uh, they incorporate accessibility into what they do. And like I said, as a result of it, it becomes sort of the uh, touchstone for standardization. Awesome. Yeah. So, so do you... Um so when you come in, uh, obviously, you know, a lot of companies are thinking about accessibility when they're building products. Um, but do you often find yourself sometimes helping to bring that into the, uh, the agile way of development? So, Absolutely. So, like, maybe accessibility exists, but it exists like, all right, we've made this thing, now at the end of it, we need, to, we, need, we need to test it and we need to do that accessibility yeah. uh, aspect of this development versus we need to incorporate that into the early process. Sure. Yeah, so a couple of things about that. One is accessibility tends to get sort of a villain role, a little bit of a bad reputation because people think about it afterwards. And they are, most people think of accessibility as expensive and burdensome, and it's mostly because they do it the way that any person in honestly, in a waterfall organization would say, put it all at the end, right? Mm -hmm. And so because of that, it does slow things down. Whereas if you build accessibility in as you go iteratively, and that's a huge piece, um, prioritizing user value is one of the touch points between accessibility and agile that's really high. The other is recognizing you want to provide the most value as early as possible. So we actually even have a whole methodology around an MVP for testing for accessibility, understanding that you want to provide the most value as you can and that your the intent is always to be able to go back and improve. So that idea of continuous improvement with accessibility is kind of a, a new thought, to be honest. People think it's a binary 
switch, you're either compliant or not, or accessible or not. And we're saying just as we've seen with Agile, it's always better to be working through these things, prioritizing by value, and then going back through those things so that you know that you're getting the best possible user experience in the beginning. And it's more approachable that way, and it tends to be much easier on the project lifecycle timelines and the budget. Awesome. Um, so, uh, so I think this is I think this is a very uh, important and key uh, aspect to 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 development. I, I I I think a lot of companies out there realize that as well. But in terms of just how making making that work into the flow is probably right. the the biggest issue. Um, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your perspective. I know that you still have your talk left to go, and I uh, so I hope uh, I hope everybody goes and sees it. Uh, at this point, you will have already seen it uh, <laughs> when this comes out. But um, but I appreciate you uh, coming by and and, and sharing your perspective. Uh, I, th I think that this is. Uh, this is uh, something that everybody needs to take a take awareness of because uh, digital uh, communication is kind of the way people learn and yeah. uh, share information. And if it's not accessible to a certain group of individuals, then well, that's you know it's unacceptable. Sure, you know? and I, I do like to make the joke that um, we're always building to Internet Explorer, which is I check this every time I do this workshop, <laughs> and it's now at three point five percent of usage for internet users, and there's 15% of the population that has disabilities. So it kind of challenges the idea that it's not really even a marginalized group, and that when you make something more accessible, you make it more usable for everyone. And so it's, it's great, and it doesn't have to be intimidating, it doesn't have to be burdensome, and it's just learning how to do it, and Agile is a fantastic way to be able to incorporate accessibility into what you do. Well. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks. That was a fantastic point, um, uh, and and um, and sharing and sharing all this uh, this uh, information with us today. I hope you have a great rest of your conference, and, uh, and thanks for sharing with us. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Technically Speaking podcast. Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at SpeakTech or like our page at Facebook.com/SpeakTechPodcast. If you have suggestions or questions related to the show or would like to be considered as a future guest, send feedback and inquiries to hey at speaktechpodcast.com. I'm Zach Lands, and thank you for listening to the Technically Speaking Podcast.